In last week's episode, the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, took a bullet in the throat in Bosnia and dropped dead. This assassination would kick off the bloodiest conflict the world had ever seen. This week, we're looking at the immediate aftermath of that murder and the first major battle of World War I, and how the clueless actions of a few military leaders would lead to the death of thousands. Grab a drink and join us on the march to war on this episode of Hunter Proof History titled The Battle of the Marne. Come on, feel the noise. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Good morning, my darling, I'm telling you this To let you know that I'm sorry you're sick Though tears of sorrow won't do you no good I'd be your doctor if only I could <laughs> What do you want from the liquor store? <laughs> How you doing, sick buddy? Um, you know, I'm improving. I'm improving every day. I almost got some taste back. I think all the other symptoms are gone, but I think I've Almost got some taste back so that this whiskey doesn't taste like spicy water while we're recording, but... That's good. Yeah, thanks for... But, I think still. (laughs) (laughs) Just maintain your social distancing for now. Can I give you COVID by licking your butthole? Is that a thing? On a Zoom call? I'm I'm not sure. Press it up against the the camera, big boy. Here we go. Hum on the butthole. (laughs) Mask on, hum on the butthole via the microphone. Fair enough. I'll turn up the subwoofer and sit on it. (laughs) Oh, welcome in, everyone, to Hunter Proof History, America's most trusted history podcast. Seventy-six years running straight. (laughs) I don't know about straight, but uh, (laughs) hey, yo. I didn't have a an objection to the seventy six years. Okay, it, yeah, it was just the straight that's the straight part of uh, it's questionable. You weren't even paying attention. You heard straight. You are like, no, that's not right. Nope. <laughs> seventy six years by curiously running. <laughs> All right. Well, today, Greg, we are following up on last week's episode. Like we said at the end of last week's episode, uh, throughout. 2021, we're going to sprinkle in a bunch of World War I stories, but we're going to follow that one up immediately with the story of the first major battle of World War I, the Battle of the Marne. Battle of the Frontiers is all kind of combined into one big thing right there for a few battles. So um, I'm I'm very excited about this, like researching it and reading about it, man. I, I really enjoy this. I, I'm looking forward to this entire year where we just go through this terrible fucking conflict. Well, and this battle in particular is unique to World War One, so it's kind of almost extra cool to be able to kind of, I guess, kick it off this way. Right, yeah. And you know what I noticed? We have our main source. Let me get to that. Our main source is the Marne, 1914 by Holger Herwig, I'm going to assume. I think he's German. And also we uh, used some samples from Ted Hawkins and the police. Yeah, that's true. The credit where credit is due. <laughs> um, the weird thing about World War One, it was this massive death event, you know, carnage, just this crazy thing in, in history. But you go on Hulu or you go on Amazon Prime, you go on Netflix, you search World War One, and it brings up a bunch of World War Two shit. Yeah. I guess it's just because there wasn't a lot of video of the event. And so you kind of just got to like read about it. And so there's not a lot out there. And I think. And who wants to do that? No one. Which is why we do it for you. Heroes. That's what we are. We are fucking heroes because we're going to tell you this story. The story you probably don't know. And uh, hope you enjoy it throughout this year. And, you know, if you do know it, we did not mean to be condescending or patronize you in any way. You probably know it better than us if you do know it. If you don't, you're fucking stupid and we'll teach you. I think I covered all my bases there. You did. You absolutely did. Everyone is covered right there. Well, Greg, the Battle of the Marne is a big story. It's going to take a little bit of time. So, uh, you ready to just dive into this thing? 
Well, I mean, safety first. Let me change my condom. I've been wearing this one for <laughs> yeah. 24 hours. I change them every 24 hours. Yep. All right, I'm ready. Let's go. Wow, that was a quick change. It's fucking NASCAR pit stop. All right, let's do it. When you do it every day, you get used to it. <laughs> At the end of the last episode, Austria-Hungary was on the brink of declaring war on Serbia if Serbia didn't meet a long list of impossible demands. Austria was doing this because they knew Germany had their back. And Serbia told them to fuck off because they knew they had Russia supporting them. And so, at the end of July 1914, Austria mobilized its troops against Serbia. Russia mobilized its troops against Austria, and Germany decided to mobilize troops against fucking everybody. That's what happens when you're in the middle of the gangbang. It can come from any direction. <laughs> yeah, you're right. See, Germany was caught in the middle of the continent between the French and Russians, who were BFFs at this point in history. They knew that both armies were building and modernizing, and feared it was only a matter of time before Germany got double-penetrated and destroyed. The French were like, You ever heard of the Eiffel Tower? And like, yeah, it's that fucking thing you built for the World's Fair. It's oh, just, no, no. <laughs> no, no. It's where you go at both ends and then you high-five. No, I'm pretty sure it's that structure y'all built a few years back, and yeah. everybody hates it. <laughs> Right now, but they'll love it in the future. No, no, no. Look at uh, UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's 19 goddamn 14. Yeah, you're still using a AOL client to dial yeah. up into the internet. <laughs> Just willy-nilly URL searches. Fucking idiots. Still <laughs> looking for the disc to come in the mail so they can get their 14-day their free trial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotta create a new username, like Germany614. God damn, I need more CDs. Please, someone send those to me. <laughs> well, Germany reached out to England and said, Hey, bro, thinking about maybe, possibly, totally fighting a war against the French and the Russians. If, again, if... We do that, and we leave the Netherlands alone and promise not to take any French lands. Will you guys be cool? England promptly told them to Essen their own shisa. Mmm, doodoo Jesus approves, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is like somebody's first episode they've ever listened to. They're like, did that dude just say doodoo Jesus? <laughs> 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 Listen to the last episode. Come on, it's a it's a series. It's a World War One series. <laughs> Doo-doo Jesus will show up in random places. <laughs> yeah. There's a few dumb characters that make appearances here and there, aren't <laughs> there? <laughs> I'll try and find a way to see if Hambone can join us this episode. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> now the Germans needed a plan of attack, and luckily they had a guy named Helmuth von Molke as chief of the great German general staff, and he knew exactly what to do. Steal someone else's idea! In the 1890s, Count Alfred von Schlieffen came up with a plan to fight both France and Russia. The Schlieffen plan called for Germany to put a few troops on the border with Russia to keep the Ruskies at bay while they sobered up and marched to war. At the same time, the Germans would mass armies on the French border and make the French think it was a frontal assault against their many, many fortresses. Meanwhile, additional German armies would swing through Belgium and flank the French. The French would get wiped out, surrender like they always fucking do, and then Germany could go beat up the Russians. Easy peasy, GG. Well, Schlieffen retired in 1905, but Moltke did the whole copy someone else's homework but toss in a few wrong answers to throw off suspicion thing he was worried that the French would mass at their own border and so he took armies away from the far northern edge of his line the part that was supposed to swing down and flank the French which was you know just the most important part of the fucking plan no big deal like, uh, you know we don't need these guys up there we'll send like six dudes through Belgium Belgium's Bunch of fucking pussies. Their forts are made out of waffles. They're, all their soldiers are down in the Congo trying to oppress the natives down there, man. We'll just... Uh, Cutting off hands for rubber. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it's no problem. Then six guys show up in Paris, and Paris is like, oh, 
fuck, we quit. End of war for us. I could use a hand to go on this rubber. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's funny, and it's very much a sign of how this war began. It's very, very on brand that you know Schlieffen had this idea for a movement. He retired in 1905, like for a military movement. He retires in 1905, and they're still trying to use his plan like you know, nearly 10 years later. Right, yeah. And that was a lot of things. When this war started, it was really the first modern war where they they used a lot of things we still use today. Yeah. They didn't know that that was going to be the case, and so they're still just trying to use these old battle tactics, and it's just kind of funny. It goes along with the uniforms we'll talk about later and, and all that. And it didn't help. The first, I guess, actual modern war was the Russo- Japan War, Japanese War. Mm-hmm. But that's 1904, 1905. So they still have another nine, ten years to try and figure out what the fuck they're doing. And they're like, that's what happened there. That's what's going to happen here. You know, they, they just kind of go with what they, their old plans, like you said. Yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy. Right. And yeah, it's also important to note that Molko wasn't what you'd call a hands on leader. No. He's kind of a shit ass like, I need a good Harvey Weinstein to motivate me. Yeah. I don't need some fucking Josh Abrams saying do whatever you fucking want and you make two shitty Star Wars movies. In my office. <laughs> You've been naughty, I'll give you a spanking. I'm just kidding, I walk with a cane now. I'm not a bad guy after all. You wanna be in a Miramax feature? Uh touch my penis. Alright. <laughs> Oh, fuck that guy, though. He's a piece of shit. But I can make jokes about him. (laughs) Because I'm the employee in the joke. That's right. Yes, you're the victim. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't feel victimized. That's that's the whole point. (laughs) I witnessed the whole thing. I didn't say shit when the police came, but I witnessed it all. Now that he's arrested, I can come clean, write my tell-all book, make a million dollars. I'm a hero. You're really painting me into a, a corner here. <laughs> I just wanted to get me some old man action, okay? okay. Gross-ass cane-using fucking neckbeard, fat-ass fuck old man action. <laughs> he reached in my pants. <laughs> tried to take the condom off. I said, no, 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 no. Not yet. Not yet. I always, <laughs> I always my, keep that thing on. Siri hasn't set the timer off yet. <laughs> So, yeah, anyways, he wasn't a hands-on leader. Because several of Germany's armies were led by royalty, and technically, Moltke had to answer to Kaiser Wilhelm II himself, he basically said, Hey, guys, here's the plan. Feel free to do whatever the fuck you want, though. I'll be hanging out hundreds of miles away from the front line. Although their communications equipment, such as telephones and telegraphs, were severe... God damn it. Were severely lacking. So that wasn't better at all, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll with it, man. The listener knows what you mean. <laughs> uh, also, the uh, strippergrams were taking <laughs> quite a long time so during long. this era. So long. Like, I show up on the Fourth Army, like, oh, whose birthday is it? And he unzips the leather vest, and they're like, that guy died like six weeks ago. He got, like, fucking obliterated by artillery. Does no one want to see my nipples, though? I traveled so far. No, uh, I don't think we do. Uh, why do you have a condom on? (laughs) Not even hard. You have a condom on. Yeah, you took your pants off, and it was already there, full of pee. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it took a really long time to get here, guys. I'm sorry. Is this song still in style? I don't even know. Why waste your time? So you know you're going to be mine. <laughs> Well, to fix their communication problems, the Germans purchased and trained 
21,000 carrier pigeons. That's just fucking crazy. That's a lot of birds, man. Thank you, Chris, for the in-depth insight. That's just a lot of birds, birds, man. man. That's a lot of birds, man. (laughs) Fair enough, but that's just fucking... Like, our telegraphs aren't working. Let's just get, like, I don't know, fucking 20,000 fucking birds put notes on their goddamn feet. The rivers ran white with shit. (laughs) There had to be, like, some German pilot... That had to sully Sullenberg and land in a goddamn river because he ran into like 40,000 pigeons carrying like just bullshit correspondence to the front line. Like, hey, how's it going? And like, ah, <laughs> emergency landing. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck do you think uh, Red Baron went overseas to Tombstone? <laughs> I guess all the fucking birds, man. <laughs> that same new listener's like, these guys don't know fucking anything about <laughs> what history. What are they talking about? <laughs> now, before you get it all mixed up, the French weren't a bunch of innocent victims of German aggression like they would be considered in 1940. They wanted war just as much as Germany, but they didn't want to be the one that started the fight. Why'd you put the emphasis on considered? In 1940? Yeah, you're like aggression like they would be considered, almost like you were quote-unquote considered in 1940. It was their fault. Well, you Nazi sympathizer. (laughs) Fair enough. Now, I don't think they were that innocent in 1940 either. I think there's a lot of shit they could have done. They were just too busy infighting and like bitch-slapping each other. They were still victims of German aggression, though. Uh, that's, that's fair. Yeah, they didn't do a good job of defending themselves, but... Okay. I'm sorry that I You put... stormed the fucking Capitol <laughs> building last week, just admit it! <laughs> I'm sorry that my emphasis on a syllable has revealed the fact that I'm wearing a Camp Auschwitz shirt right now, okay? I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen. And that guy got arrested, that's good. Yeah, it is. Fucking assholes. Probably should be. Yeah. Anywho... Yeah, the French actually wanted this fucking war. They wanted to take a bunch of territory they lost to Germany when Germany was still kind of Prussia. And, you know, this war that happened probably about 40 years earlier. I think it was 1880s, right? I think it was 1870s. But that basically formed what we know as Germany. Yes, yeah. Yeah. All the Prussian states combined to form Germany around that time. Yeah. Yeah, so as soon as Russia mobilized against Austria... Germany declared war on Russia and France, which allowed France to say, Sacre bleu, we are so surprised. We totally weren't getting ready to mobilize our own armies, you guys. And then, they declared war on Germany. Germany's like, who's this fucking cartoon skunk (laughs) in a goddamn beret? Who does he think he is? Candlestick trying to get this fucking bear to fuck this princess. What is this shit? (laughs) Why is he looking at my mom and my sister that way? And my dad, for that matter. That's my dad. I have the mom and the sister. Yeah, it's fine. You it's leave fine. me my dad, my uncle, and my gym teacher. <laughs> we'll divvy the lands up that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the French were led by a dude named Joseph Joffre, who was the complete opposite of Helmuth von Moltke. Whereas Moltke was a completely hands-off leader, Joffre was the ultimate micromanager. He made every decision, was constantly bouncing around the front, and refused to listen to anyone else. Is is you imagine you're working retail and one day the store's just on fucking fire because some jackasses uh, employee is disgruntled, he's like, ah, oh, you know, Business is terrible. My manager's never here. I do whatever the fuck I want. He lights a bunch of fireworks inside the Circuit City, and the whole building catches fire. Then that manager shows up and goes, Oh my god, what happened? What did you guys do? That's Moltke. You know, whereas Jafra is like the guy who's like, Hey man, I really got to piss. He's like, No, you pissed eight hours ago. You gotta fucking get your shit together. And so your your condom's just filling with fucking yeah, pee. I know you were in a condom, just pissing it. <laughs> it's full of pee. 
How can I help you? Welcome to Circuit City. Oh, God. I want to die. Why is there a balloon in your pit? <laughs> you just hear this. And just piss splatters everywhere all over the place. <laughs> the weight of it pulled it off. Yeah. <laughs> it flies around the store. Just piss everywhere. It's like, um... For the next half hour, those TVs are half off because they're covered in my piss. Because Joseph Jaffra won't let me leave my fucking station. That son of a bitch. <laughs> well, Jaffra even received intelligence that the Germans were going to use the Schlieffen plan, but he refused to believe it. He thought the Krauts would try a double pincer movement and attack in the north and south while making the middle of their line weak. And so he massed his own armies in the middle of the line and at the south of his line, hoping to push through. His basic plan for the war was to attack, attack, and if all else failed, attack. Well, that brings us to the English, who were led by Sir John French, ironically named. Okay, how you doing? I'm Steve Germany. I'm here to fight the crowds. Like, no, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is just destroying my fucking brain. I'm already drunk, and I'm trying to read this book. And it's like, and then French said, I'm like, what? What French guy? What? What? Which one of the French guys said that? I'm John Thompson, but I go by John French. <laughs> Why? Bend over, and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> French kiss that b-hole. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> this is what they do in France? I don't know. I don't I don't feel right. Maybe it's your whiskers. I'm not sure. <laughs> Quiet down, private. I'm sorry, sir. No, I was talking to my penis. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. God damn it. Think about baseball. <laughs> You're stretching the condom. <laughs> Just pushing some of the piss out. <laughs> <laughs> like a dam. <laughs> There's not enough room, sir. <laughs> this pond can't fit a submarine. <laughs> what are you saying back there, sir? It's it's all very very ticklish when you're that close to <laughs> Don't you worry, son. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Continue. Well the English agreed to support France. And they also declared war on Germany. But they had a teensy tiny little English army and were worried about defending their colonies as well as preventing the Irish from getting any ideas of independence. Teensy tiny. It's average, Mom. <laughs> looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> you know, three inches. What more do you need? They said the average... Woman's vagina can't even feel past that far, according to Small Penis Monthly, which I subscribe to. <laughs> Small Penis <laughs> Monthly. <laughs> uh, uh, it's actually 7.6. <laughs> I prefer the metric system, centimeters. <laughs> okay, I was about to say, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> the centerfold of Small Penis Monthly is just nothing but sports cars. It's like, here's what you should purchase. Girls will I like, like you. <laughs> I like that it's not even, like, quarterly. <laughs> no, it's no. monthly. You need that reaffirmation, like, every fucking month. <laughs> I was going to kill oh. myself, but then that issue came in the mail. All right, now, now I'm thinking, what if I buy a, a denim jacket and put a white snake logo on it? That's cool, all right? All right. You, uh... You're going through the office, but of course you put it inside another magazine. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want the secret to get out. Yeah. But then those stupid little fucking inserts, it's like, resubscribe! It <laughs> falls out. It's like, uh, hey, John, I think you dropped your, uh, oh, <laughs> small penis monthly. And it was right in front of the water cooler. <laughs> fuck! Fuck! <laughs> Well, the British decided to send a whopping six divisions, known as the British Expeditionary Force, to stop the Germans from taking Paris. And so, with everyone ready to murder the shit out of each other, the French, in their blue wool coats, blue hats, 
and red pants, took their single-shot rifles and 75mm artillery, and invaded the Alsace region on August 7th, 1914. Lot to unpack in that sentence, I feel like. Describes like a little boy ready for his, you know, first day of kindergarten. Yeah, just fucking blue coat and his red blue pants. Blue coat, blue hat, red pants. <laughs> and it's America, so his single shot rifle. And let's talk about the 75 millimeter artillery. We're not even going to acknowledge my school shooting joke. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so- Unbelievable. <laughs> Continue. That's what you meant by American single-shot rifle. No, motherfucker, we bring the ARs. Don't bring that shit, that single-shot, like you gotta fucking cycle the bolt and throw another bullet in there. No, we need... Well, this is in the way back, man. Uh, uh, Fair enough, fair enough. I'm sorry. I've ruined the whole goddamn show. Cancel this podcast. I'm sorry. We'll see you next week. Wolf Dick hit the outro. I'm done with World War One. I hope you guys hope that enjoyed that... uh, Brief interlude into World War One. We just did. Yeah. Well, it's been fun, guys. Yeah, that's the end of Hunter Proof History. I'm gonna be the guy that's like, huh, it's been real and it's been fun, <laughs> but I can't say it's been real. Fun. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, guy. <laughs> God, I hate that saying. I do too. Well, Greg made a joke about school shootings, which I think is horribly inappropriate. Because my brother was killed in Columbine. But anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh at that. My brother Dylan Harris was killed. Or Dylan Klebold. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eric Harris. I got him mixed up. I'm sorry. The joke doesn't land. <laughs> oh, now that's insensitive. I wanted to talk about the 75 millimeter artillery. And talk about how fucking small that is. Because in World War II, 20 years later. Go this was the penis conversion calculator. This was the base gun for the Sherman tanks. And they said, man, this fucking sucks. This can't penetrate the armor of anything. And they switched to a 76 <laughs> millimeter. We're like, just that little bit of, just the tip, just that extra millimeter. That's all it takes. Yeah, I think the round was also larger, not just diameter wise. Like from the 75 to the 76 on the Shermans. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. They were. That is yeah. 2.9 inches, so <laughs> that's about Average. the same conversion we were already doing. <laughs> right. Every single one of those French artillery guys subscribed to Small Dick Monthly. Like, oh, <laughs> like this big cannon I'm sporting. Like, mm, I don't know, guys. This could definitely kill a cow at close range. <laughs> I'm just this saying. is all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Well, the French... Stormed the town of Mulhouse and drove out the gray clad Germans and their pointy helmets with relatively few losses. That's right, guys. The French won a battle. And this is what I think is so funny. Like, throughout history, man, and I've probably mentioned it before on the show, but the French get such a bad rap. Oh, yeah. Because of the things that happened, especially in World War II. Yeah. yeah. But. They have been some of the most fucking ruthless people over the last, like, millennia. Yeah. That you can find. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, they're vicious and fucking killed the shit out of a ton of people. Yeah. But, you know, they do roll over and die <laughs> in World <laughs> War Two, and then it's like a forever stain, like, oh, it's a, the French flag, it's all white. <laughs> flag of retreat. <laughs> Get it, guys? Yeah. Like, ah! Come on, man. No, they were actually one of the winningest militaries in all of history. Yes. But in recent history, you know, World War II, and you also have Vietnam, where they got their shit pushed in. But, you know, who didn't? Who I didn't? mean, <laughs> I think they had help on that one. <laughs> right. It's from the same people casting these stones. Right. Oh, fuck them. Who cares? I got a nice-ass glass house, motherfucker. All I'm saying is freedom fries, motherfucker. That's all I care <laughs> Freedom kiss my butthole, Private. (laughs) What the fuck are freedom fries? What are you talking about, you fucking idiot? Yes, sir, but that that condom looks like it's at critical mass. (laughs) I'll let you freedom kiss my butthole, but maybe take care of that. (laughs) Freedom kiss. (laughs) You didn't acknowledge it the first time, so I had to to go back in there. (laughs) 
I'm going to go back to the front lines of the Freedom Kiss joke. Oh, I didn't feel it the first time because you subscribed to Small Dick Monthly. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> this episode sucks. We suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens to the guy, though. He gets, the, like, they find the little insert that fell out of the Small Dick Monthly that was covered in good housekeeping. Because... <laughs> Hey, somebody know, trying to uh, project being a manly man, mm-hmm. it was uh, less embarrassing <laughs> to carry around good housekeeping. <laughs> but uh, the guy finds it, he's like, what the fuck is this, John? And he just starts making jokes, like he just launches into a stand-up routine. <laughs> Get it prepared. <laughs> what do you guys think about airline food? Uh, <laughs> everybody's just staring at him like, what the fuck? Well, the French are taking Mulhouse. And they'd driven out the Germans. But the Germans launched a counterattack, and it went pretty goddamn terrible. It was super hot, and they had a lack of food and water, and so several soldiers just sat down in goddamn ditches to rest. When they weren't doing that, they were firing at each other. French machine guns opened fire, forcing the Germans to hide in a gravel pit that they refused to leave. This is exactly what would happen if I was in war. Like, oh no, I'm just going to sit down here. I, uh, twisted my ankle. <laughs> yeah. Is this I a- broke my piss condom, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're now issued, like, fucking regiment-wide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, the German inefficiency made it all the more surprising when the French commander ordered a retreat. He had been frightened by the fierce German counterattack and abandoned the town of Mulhus completely, leaving it for the Germans. And because they believed in winning hearts and minds, the Germans gave everyone Pop-Tarts and taught them the ways of democracy and capitalism. Mission accomplished. Hang the banner. Well, no, the Germans didn't give them Pop-Tarts. They didn't spread the ways of democracy and capitalism. Actually... They decided that pretty much all the men in the town of Malus had shot at them and were what they called franc tireurs, which meant free shooter or basically anyone not in any army. They declared that any citizen caught doing so would be put to death immediately. Anyone they suspected of hampering the Germans would get a court-martial from a German officer found guilty and executed. And so, a few people in Muhus, namely the priest and the mayor, were summarily shot dead in the streets, and a few of their buildings were burned down. And the funny thing about this is that most of the shots they heard they thought were coming from the citizens were actually coming from retreating French officers or from Germans firing on each other. We're like, okay, well, time to fucking murder everybody, because they tried to kill us. And that would be a continuing theme that Greg will talk about later. Well, Joffre was pissed that his commander had pulled out of Mulhus, so he fired him, and immediately launched another offensive further north in the region of Lorraine. This was kind of exactly what the Germans wanted, so they stayed on the defensive and retreated slowly while pummeling the French with machine gun fire and heavy artillery. It began to rain, turning the field into a gray ooze, and allowing the Germans to further pound the French with their artillery, which was bigger and had a longer reach than the French 75mm guns. And it was uncircumcised. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) They really frowned upon that. (laughs) The fighting returned to Mulhus, with Germans being cut down by machine gun fire by the hundreds. The fighting spilled into the Vosges Mountains, where ill-prepared soldiers fought up close and personal in the forest. The artillery reduced the trees to matchsticks, and the soldiers began to see the true horrors of war, with mangled bodies strewn all over the battlefield. Now, when it comes to describing the warfare, our main source puts it best by saying, Quote, Artillery ruled the battlefield. 
The German 105mm and 150mm howitzers, called cooking pots by the French and Jack Johnson's by the British, and the lighter 77mm guns ripped the men and horses alike into shreds of flesh and deposited their remains as mounds of pulp. That sounds like fiction. Hey! Pulp fiction joke! (laughs) What do they call a quarter pound of cheese in France? I don't know, but I'm Quentin Tarantino, and I'm going to use every movie that I have as an excuse to be able to say the N-word. Hey, hey, And I want to see some feet. Oh, yeah, and I like feet, too. I love feet. Come here, Uma. <laughs> you ever heard of Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> I think a lot of Tarantino films are Miramax films. That's <laughs> Serious quote time, goddammit. Mm, 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 mm. The French 75s, dubbed Black Butchers by the Germans, that's a little you know bit racist. Tarantino would have called them. <laughs> <laughs> they filled the air with shrieking shrapnel shells that exploded above the enemy and drenched those below with thousands of iron balls. For four weeks, crude, stinking, crowded ambulance wagons jostled the wounded back to barns and churches, hastily converted into field hospitals, where the unfortunates lay for hours in a cloud of flies, drinking their blood. The living moved on, a mass of stinking humanity advancing through a reeking foul air of dead and dying cattle and mutilated horses to fight another battle, another day. Well, after all of these first encounters, the Germans actually came out victorious and forced the French to retreat back to their original positions. Joseph Joffre continued to ignore repeated reports that the Germans were up to something in Belgium. Little did he know, they had been there for weeks, and they were fucking shit up. The butt. Oh, yeah, the Belgian butt. Syrupy and... Chocolatey and... Oh, well, And... No handsy. Can't can't put a hand on that butt because it's been cut off because of rubber supply. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's out. That's right. <laughs> what do you mean no hands? No, no, I'm very handsy. I'm out. <laughs> Just gonna walk with my cane on over here to gain public sympathy because I'm an extreme piece of shit rapist. Yep. That's what I'm gonna do when people find out who my real name through this podcast. It's constant cane walk. Oh, I'm so old. They're like, God, you're, you're barely, you're not even 40 yet. I'm like, oh, my back. Oh, please love me. I'm just going to seduce Kathy Bates mm. under the guise of being like a really successful author. Mm. And then she'll <laughs> kidnap me and break both of my legs. That's all it's about, baby. And I'll be like, oh. I bet you. How could I take advantage of, of all these people when I was taken advantage of and held hostage and I can't even walk anymore. <laughs> Have some goddamn sympathy! <laughs> All jokes aside, I think I bet you Kathy Bates is just fucking wild in bed. I don't want to put the jokes aside, Chris. <laughs> but I feel like all this Kathy Bates talk really makes me want to go to break. <laughs> okay, I got uh, <clears throat> something to take care of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are back from break. Had a good one. Uh, Greg could see through my webcam my wife emasculating me, talking about how I never take care of anything around this place and I'm useless. And I'm like, but I'm I'm producing history content for the internet. And she's like, okay, oh, okay. I called the police. <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, you had already put the ball gag in yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I don't feel like the uh, the handcuffs in the whipping were your idea, so... You, you look through the webcam, and you saw her, like, greasing up this rolling pin. Like, what's she gonna do with that? Oh, my God! But there's one jagged end. And it was <laughs> not one of the handled it. ends. <laughs> like a goddamn shiv in prison. She had, like, rubbed it on the concrete for hours until it became to a sharp point. 
I think like the only episode she listened to of our podcast was probably Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> I think that's more what it was. Uh, well, thank you for calling 911. I'm sure the police will be here soon enough to find my corpse with a bleeding anus. Why does this man have a condom on? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're concerned with. That's Why their full of piss. <laughs> yeah. What is got leads here? <laughs> we need to we need to follow these leads. He's bleeding from his anus, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. It is that time again. It is time for second half. Salsar. Second half salsa. All right, and a one, a two, a three, and Greg forgot his thing. There we go. Take us on home, Gregory. While France was launching its failed offensives in the south, Germany was busy executing its plan to sweep through Belgium, and things were going pretty shitty for them as well. On August 5th, Germany crossed into Belgium, thinking that the small country would roll over and let the Germans march through. Two days tops, right? Instead, they met with stiff resistance. The firmest of waffles. Ugh, it's like a frozen ego. No whipped cream. Whipped cream? Yeah, you put... You don't on put, a frozen ego? Yeah, you don't put whipped cream on your waffles? On an ego period? Yeah, but no. Am I alone in that? <laughs> no. I'm of double-digit age. Syrup? Do you do it in a fucking smiley face pattern? Oh, with yeah. Cream? Put some strawberries on there and a blueberry nose? <laughs> like, no, I do it in a, a bulk egg <laughs> fashion. <laughs> it's just two dots for the eyes and then like a circle and a smaller circle in it. And then straps that go around the side of the waffle. <laughs> around the edge of the plate, I write in whipped cream, please no. Please, God, no. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, about 30 kilometers across the border, they ran into the city of Liege, which was surrounded by a ring of 12 concrete fortresses, each with 120 millimeter, 150 millimeter, and 210mm cannons with an overlapping zone of fire. There were about 30,000 Belgian soldiers there, led by General Gerard Le Mans. But they were a ragtag group of mismatched uniforms, including some dudes wearing capes, and they had to pull their machine guns around and milk carts pulled by fucking dogs. I actually saw a video of this. It's fucking crazy. It's legit. Two dogs per cart pulling these machine guns around. It's fucking stupid. And then you also have the guys in the caves going, We're fabulous! And it was like, These guys again, not show up in their fucking caves. They, they're not serious about this. They don't give a shit about this fucking war. But there's one guy in the cave and he's like, I am the knight. He's <laughs> like, Okay, we get it. You're cosplaying Batman a yeah. hundred years from now. <laughs> Relax, okay? There's another guy who shows up and puts a clay mask over half of his face. Starts playing the organ. Like, Check me out, guys. I'm the ultimate soldier. Well, by August 8th, over 5,300 Germans oh, you skipped, had been... You skipped. Your fucking mom skipped her birth control for one month, and here you are. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true, but you skipped a point. Uh, yeah, I did. The Germans advanced on them with the Second Army, led by Karl von Bülow and his chief of staff, Erich Ludendorff. They had 25,000 soldiers, 8,000 horsemen, and 124 artillery pieces. Now, with all of this, the tactical geniuses from Germany decided the best plan of attack would be to run screaming straight at the heavily fortified structures while the Belgians blew them to kraut hell. One Belgian soldier would say, Waffles, 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 waffles chocolate. <laughs> As line after line of German infantry advanced, we simply mowed them down. They made no attempt at deploying, but came on line after line, almost shoulder to shoulder, until, as we shot them down, the fallen were heaped one on top of the other, in an awful barricade of dead and wounded men that threatened to mask our guns and cause us trouble. 
By August 8th, over 5,300 Germans had been killed or wounded. Naturally, they took this out on the populace and killed over 850 Belgian citizens and burned down 1,300 buildings. Oh, there's one story where they take an entire city into the town square and just fucking machine gun them all down. The priest of the city barely, he got hit in both of his kidneys and survived, but like just barely because they're walking through after they mow them down with machine guns, they're walking through and just bayoneting what they think are still living people. And this guy lived to tell the story and it's just fucking crazy. Germans aren't good, Greg. That's my only point. It is indeed an interesting story. Thank you. You don't need my validation, Chris. I do need your validation. That's the only way I, reason I do this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love me, Daddy. <laughs> well, the Germans had actually had a stroke of good luck. At some point on the 6th, some lost German soldiers had stumbled onto Belgian General Le Mans' headquarters in the center of Liege. They were repelled, but Le Mans got spooked and pulled a shitload of his troops out of the city, and he moved to a fortress at the far edge of town. Communications were shot, and each fortress was left to fend for itself. The next day, Eric Ludendorff stumbled upon a brigade whose commander had been killed. He said, Follow me if you want to live. Forever! <laughs> See, it was like, uh, it was like Terminator in Terminator <laughs> yes, 2. Very but, similar, yes. But he added the, Forever! <laughs> and uh, he drove straight to the Liege Citadel in the center of the city. He personally strolled right up to the gate, knocked on it, and demanded the Belgians inside surrender. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking they shot him, tossed a dunce cap on his dead-ass fucking head, and put him on display as a warning. But, uh, I'm sorry, listener. You'd be wrong. No, no. They straight up surrendered. Hey, I'm the leader of this fucking army. Uh, just go ahead and surrender. Okay! There's a guy in there, he's like, just fucking kill that dude, they don't have a leader. Uh, well, then we kill the leader, then they'll be mad uh, at us. Uh, let's, just, let's just go ahead and surrender. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> What's the worst the Germans can do, really? <laughs> <laughs> They've only been a country for like 30-something years, we got this. Yeah. I still got all of my investments in the Belgian Congo to fall back on, so it's fine. I'll just let him have it, you know? Uh, like a drunk Tim Allen. <laughs> Wilson, what do you think I should do with my life? I don't think you should stop fucking all those guys. Fuck you, Wilson! You don't know! <laughs> You want to talk about it over a Chardonnay, Wilson? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go around that fence. Come in the front door so I can go in the back. <laughs> Take off your shirt. It's really hot outside. God damn it. <laughs> well, it's only 70, Tim. <laughs> Don't you give me that. It's a fucking underwear party, Wilson. <laughs> I know you're naked behind that fence line. I can just see the top part, but I know you're fucking stroking over there. You're thinking about it, too. Tim Allen was replaced by uh, Tom Hanks like halfway through the series. He said, come on, Wilson. I got my other buddy Wilson over here. <laughs> and it's just the, it's the volleyball with the blood handprint. Mm -hmm. Big, it's flat. Big hole carved <laughs> right in the mouth section. Let's have a Wilson party. I don't think that's a very wise thing to do, Tim. I think I've already cut your phone lines. <laughs> you have a choice. Get over here. Let's have a Chardonnay. Well... This new position in the center of the city allowed the Germans to bring their 420 millimeters, hey, 420 blaze it, uh, Big Bertha howitzers into Liege. Each one of these guns had a crew of 200 men, had to be pulled by 36 horses, and took six hours to put into place. Let's put this into perspective for you guys. These are 420 millimeters. The French guns we were talking about, the French artillery. 75 millimeters. So, these bad boys fired a 150-kilogram shell accurately at distances of 1,400 kilometers and put off such a shockwave, the men firing them did so with electronic switches, and they were, like, 
300 plus meters away. Well, once the big guns arrived, the fortresses of Liege were demolished, crushing and suffocating thousands of Belgians inside, with the ones who crawled out begging the Germans not to kill them. Literally crawled out saying, no kill, no kill. The Germans would not slaughter the surrendering soldiers, but would go on to massacre the shit out of the Belgian civilians, killing over 4,000 in total. General Joseph Joffre still believed that the Germans were going to attack further south, and so he launched an offensive into the Ardennes Forest in the southern part of Belgium. His generals didn't know the land, which was uneven, heavily wooded, full of ravines and creeks, and they moved in a strange staircase formation which exposed all of their right flanks. The German machine gun fire and artillery savaged the French yet again. One French officer recalled, Thousands of dead were still standing, supported. <laughs> you went total, oh, like, what, Balkan. <laughs> As if by a flying buttress made of bodies lying in rows on top of each other in an ascending arc from the horizontal to an angle of 60 degrees. So, like, these dudes were just charging forward, fucking dying, and the dudes behind them charging forward, dying on top of them, until you had somebody that was almost standing, who was past a 45-degree angle from the ground. Right. And we're talking 60 degrees. They're basically just leaned on the bodies in front of them. It's fucking crazy. Just to paint a picture. Now, the German Second Army, led by Below, decided... Here comes Greg's German. Hey, we can wheel into France. This is going great. Come on, First Army. But the First Army was led by a dude named Alexander Cluck, a.k.a. Sandy Cuck. Yep. And he did whatever the fuck he wanted. He pulled away from the Second Army and went hunting for the British Expeditionary Force near Mons, Belgium. This was despite the fact that the First Army had been marching for 11 days straight. 11 days straight in high heat and were tired as fuck. The two sides met, and the English and Irish, with their fast-firing Lee-Enfield rifles, tore the Germans a new one. Uh, it's kind of like the same thing we were talking about with the French. They just kept coming and kept fucking dying. The same thing's happening here with the Germans. They kept fucking charging, just line after line after line. But the Lee-Enfields could fire 15 rounds before needing to be reloaded, and they could just fucking mow them down one after the other, and they just kept fucking charging. The Germans lost around 5,000 troops, but they outnumbered the Brits, and so they all fell back. In fact, it was about this time, the end of August, when the entire French and English army started what became known as the Great Retreat. What followed were days of the French moving back towards Paris, while occasionally stopping to attack the Germans in various spots, with both sides getting, you know, fucked up here and there. Still, had the Germans given chase vigorously, they could have decimated entire French armies, but they were tired, and every time the French attacked them and were repulsed, the Germans stopped to celebrate their victories. By early September, the French had regrouped near Paris and along the Marne River. The Germans had given pursuit, but Zandikluck <laughs> and Boulot had refused to talk to each other, and Helwith von Moltke was busy not giving orders from his headquarters in freaking Luxembourg, and so a 50-kilometer gap had been created between the German First Army and the Second Army. There were several times during this this period where Second Army's like, hey, where's First Army? Where's, what are they doing? What are they doing? And First Army won't respond, and Molka won't respond. Like, what the fuck is happening here, guys? Like, what are we supposed to be doing? Like, ah, you know, we'll figure it out. Just keep fucking shooting bullets and stuff, guys. You got it. Got this. You got it. Little did they know, the French had recovered a map from a dead First Army dude and knew that gap existed. They marched the newly formed French Sixth Army straight at the German first and then launched an attack on the flank of the Second Army. Alexander Cucky Cluck's pilots warned him that an army was coming straight for him, but he ignored it and he would be greatly outnumbered. Meanwhile, the Brits were supposed to march into the gap between the German first and second armies, but they were taking their sweet-ass fucking time. Sir John French said they were tired, and they'd get there when they got there. This is one of the biggest fuck-ups of this battle, is the British going kind of like, eh, we'll get there, we can fucking get there, whatever. We'll take our time, we're tired. We kind of have fought one fucking battle while the French are getting pummeled. 
Jeremy's getting pummeled. The British are like, eh, we're so tired. Oh, help us. Um, but no. Yeah, if they'd have charged that gap. If they charge that gap, yeah, they close. They can, they can pick on flanking the first or the second army and kind of wiping out the Germans, but, uh, kind of half-assed it here, fellas. Or at least not letting it get to the point that, as we will see it unfolds, it gets to, to where you have a very, not straight line, but it's impossible to flank anybody. Yes. Yeah. After this gets established. Fair enough, yeah. The German second army was getting pulverized, especially on their far right flank, where the first army should have been. Uh, we actually just had a far right flank in our Capitol building we last sure week. We sure did, fellas. <laughs> Well, the German 1st Army was fighting the French 6th Army, and it was costing them hundreds of lives a day, but they felt like they were about to outflank the French and would have a free shot at Paris. Everywhere else across the line, the Germans were actually driving the French back once again. But Helmuth von Moltke was having a goddamn mental breakdown. He issued no orders for two straight days. As a matter of fact, he broke down in fucking tears. It's what you want from military leaders. Uh, Schwarzkopf did the same thing during Desert Storm. Fucking crying his goddamn eyes out. You sound so fucking drunk right now. I am drunk. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> On September 8th, a lieutenant colonel named Richard Hinch showed up at Mulka's headquarters and said, Hey, bro, want me to go, like, actually check on the armies and tell them what to do and shit? Mulka agreed. Hinch first checked on the German 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th armies, and found that they were doing pretty great. But when he got to the 2nd army, General Below was freaked the geek out at how unprotected his right flank was. He demanded to be allowed to retreat. Hinch agreed. He then drove over to the 1st army and flat out told them to retreat. Alexander Kluckhold was shocked <laughs> because he thought he was winning, but he also agreed. By September 10th, the entire German army was in full retreat. The British and French Entente forces had won the Battle of the Marne in somewhat anticlimactic fashion. As a result of these opening battles, both the French and Germans had suffered 250,000 casualties each. Helmuth von Moltke famously told Kaiser Wilhelm II, My Majesty, we have lost the war. Moltke was immediately removed from his position of power due to health reasons. Right. Joseph Joffre was hailed as a hero and continued to lead the French until late 1916. In the end, what could have been a conclusive battle turned out to be the first chapter in what was seemingly endless bloodshed. And thankfully, that gives us enough content to spread all throughout 2021. And... Of story. For now. Woo! Man, I am so excited to hear what happens next. 1914, 1915. Oh, dude, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun, but we are not doing that. Next week, we're going to do some other shit you guys are going to be excited about. But Greg, right now, it is time for Fast Facts. <laughs> Fast fact number one. The French wouldn't change their uniform until 1915. During the Marne, one German soldier remarked that one morning he awoke and thought the hillside was covered in bright red and blue flowers. Then his vision cleared and he realized it was thousands of brightly colored dead French corpses. Oh, they weren't alive, French corpses? Thank you. Shut up. Fast fact number two. During the Battle of the Marne, Parisian taxi drivers used their cabs to rush soldiers to the front lines. It became a legend, but in reality, it was an absolute clusterfuck of lost drivers and traffic jams so bad that the soldiers had to walk like the last two kilometers to the front lines. Fact number three. Despite the newfound horrors of modern war, morale stayed mostly high and the number of volunteers skyrocketed following the Marne. War was still viewed as an honorable adventure 
and any man who didn't sign up was viewed as a coward. Fast Fact Number 4 Immediately following the Battle of the Marne was the Race to the Sea, in which German and Entente forces steadily moved north, hoping to outflank each other. Both sides would fail, and the war devolved into trench warfare. The Battle of the Marne was the last battle of maneuverability on the Western Front of World War I. All right. So, listener, you can find us hundredproofhistory.com at 100proofhistory on pretty much all of the social medias. Greg, what else? Man, I think that's about it. Thank you guys for your support, especially Patreons. Y'all are fucking awesome. This show takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and research. Uh, you guys definitely help to to make it worth it just to contribute. Uh, the people that do enjoy the show every week, man, just consider it. Consider maybe donating a little on the Patreon. You get a ton of shit. Like, what do we got? We got 50-something. Yeah, we hangovers just, at this point. Yes. Special bonus episodes plus all the the back catalog of episodes that have been taken off. So, you know, if you can, consider it. If not, we appreciate you listening anyway. We like getting this stuff out there. We're super flattered that people actually give a shit what we have to say. Yeah. Or maybe they just l- listen to uh fuel their hatred <laughs> for the patriarchy. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> But either way, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Yep. I love you guys. Goodbye. The goodest of pies. The bisexual. <laughs> well, that brings us... Okay, Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> Schmeagle. <laughs> My best, yes! <laughs> Uh, well, that brings us. Oh, bring us to ring to me.